James is the Executive Director of Personnel for Missionaries with Reach Global and uh, is a graduate of, of Trinity Seminary and served in the pastorate for 25 years in a variety of settings. And um, I, I know you served in California. I know that Albert Lee Free Church has been your home for a number of years. And uh, so, uh, and now serves, served a role as interim director for Africa with Reach Global and now is serving with Reach Global in charge of personnel. So we are glad to have you here this morning. Thank you. Mike. And looking forward to the word the Lord has for you, for us, through you. Thank you. Let me pray for you as you begin. Lord, I thank you for the, the, the ministry of James and his wife Jennifer was here this morning as well. And, and uh, you, have, you have richly blessed them with the life of ministry experience and, and following hard after you. And we just praise you for that. And I pray that you would use him this morning to speak to us, to bring a fresh word from you to us regarding missions, regarding our, our influence in the world for your sake. So bless him during this time. Bring the word to us in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. It is so good to be here this morning. My wife, Jennifer, and I drove up from Albert Lee this morning. I'm really glad we're not arriving right now. Um, we had a dinner party last night, and uh, as dinner parties sometimes go, uh, it went a little late, and there was laughter, and there were tears, and uh, about 11.30, somebody said, it's 11.30. Where'd the night go? Like one of those nights, you know? And all of a sudden, you're like 11.30. I'm like, wow, we got to get up and go tomorrow morning to Chaska. And as one of our guests was leaving the house, they said, don't forget to turn your clocks ahead. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. So I'm really glad I was here on time today because it would be about right now that I'd be coming in. And you'd be wondering, what am I going to do for this? So it, it is such a, a pleasure to be here. And, and uh, I, I just love your, your pastor's heart and his commitment to, to local and global missions. Uh, I've had a chance, yeah. yeah. And I have the privilege of, of uh, seeing Sandy on a regular basis at the national office over near the Mall of America, and to work with her as a colleague uh, is just a real blessing. Jesus uh, is building his church. He's building his church all over the world. And uh, the Evangelical Free Church of America, international arm, uh, reach global, but, but the domestic arm as well, all of the local churches um, are, are, are part of that. We have a commitment to multiplying transformational churches among all people, both here in the United States, but all around the world. And uh, this is the work of Jesus, because Jesus is building his church. A couple of weeks ago, Jennifer and I were in, in Budapest, and I uh, had a chance to sit with one of the area leaders there. Uh, her name's Julie. And I said, Julie, tell me what, what's happening in, in Europe right now, in your area of oversight. And she's just one of uh, a dozen area leaders who who have different city teams reporting to her or to him. And, and I said, just tell me, what are some of the highlights? And she said, oh, she said, I'm so excited. She said, in Brussels, just recently in 2020, uh, we've seen 29, uh, 26 new believers come to faith um, out, of, out of the Muslim community. And she said, last weekend, they baptized 19 of those. And the ones who weren't baptized weren't baptized simply because they were underage and we didn't have permission of, of parents for that to happen, which is an important thing. So she said that, that, that I'm really excited about. And then she said in Duisburg, we have a couple that's been working in, in Duisburg for decades to reach Turkish Muslims there, um, Duisburg, Germany. 
And the work is slow and it's hard. But you know, in the last couple of years, something's happened. Something started to move. And today we have two congregations. There are 200 each, Turks. And those two congregations are strategizing and moving forward with 30 church plants in the whole region. That's an incredible thing among Turkish Muslims living in Germany. And she told me that uh, our city team leader in Madrid, Spain, right now is, is mentoring 12 Roma pastors. The Roma people are, when I was growing up, they would have been called gypsies. It's not an appropriate name anymore, but it's the Roma. And they are all over Europe in different places. And they have a very unique culture, a very unique language. And there's 12 pastors being mentored by one of our missionaries right now. That's not all he's doing, but that's part of what he's doing. And those 12 pastors are helping to build the church, the work that Jesus is doing. I just had a, a text exchange with, uh, thank you, with Katie Dudgeon. Um, my wife and I have had a chance to be with her on several occasions in Berlin. And uh, she, said, uh, she said this, she said, please greet the people of Valley Free and tell them how much she loves them and uh, appreciates your support. And she said, ask them to pray, just to keep praying about the planting of churches in, in Berlin. And now some English-speaking ones, because the city continues to be so international, and English isn't, is quite an international language. And so she said, be praying about church plants in English, as well as uh, developing uh, more sports ministry, as this is a cutting-edge uh, outreach with the gospel in Europe today. So you're part of that. You're, you're part of that. And since 1991, you've given over a half a million dollars just to reach global in the EFCA for missions. You multiply that out with other missionaries you support from other agencies for your local engagement, for your support of various ministries just down the street. And, and you have an incredible investment. You're part of building the church of Jesus Christ. And that's not a facility, that's not a physical structure, though we enjoy housing the church in, in a structure like this. It's, it's not an organization, it's not a political system or a political party, though some parties in the world label themselves as Christian. But rather it's a gathering of people who love God and love others so much that they're willing to engage their world. Their world starting at home and going to the ends of the earth. The mission of Jesus is being accomplished around the world. It's being accomplished here in the United States. It's being accomplished in cities like Chaska because of churches like you, faithful churches with faithful leaders and faithful pastors. I first became aware of missions when I was just a little guy. That's me in the middle, and uh, it's a long time ago, but... but but this story, this picture means a lot to me. I, I, I ran across it just in the last couple of years, hadn't seen it in a long time. And when I saw it, it just awoke so many memories in my heart. My, my dad was a carpenter, and he served as a trustee in the local evangelical free church we attended in Madison, Wisconsin. And my mom served on the missions committee. And uh, my mom and dad were commissioned with the idea of creating a map for the foyer of the, of the church. And... and my dad invited me in to be part of that. I was 10 at the time, and he says, time to learn how to use a bandsaw and, uh, without losing fingers. And so he said, you know, it was just, he gave me the opportunity to do this. And I still remember cutting out the continents with his bandsaw and then filing the edges and, and uh, painting the continents different colors. 
And my dad put most of it together, but I was there with him doing that. I, I had my hands on the continents of the world. And, 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 and God began to, to move in my heart. And, and with Sunday school teachers and pastors and uh, campus life directors at high school and then InterVarsity in college and opportunity to attend Urbana 81, which is a large missions conference, God just moved in my heart to become a pastor, a pastor with a, a view for the world, a heart for the world. And, and now in my later part of my career, he's asked me to serve missionaries. Uh, what I want to say to you is that wherever you're at today, um, just be part of what God's doing in the world. Uh, pray for missionaries. Give faithfully to the work of the church. Um, and for some of you, that's going to be a call to go, to go somewhere that you haven't gone before, to do something you haven't done before. Be open to that. Be very open to that. But to recognize my mom and dad were faithful church members until the day they died, and my dad was a carpenter, my mom was a homemaker, and they both had a huge impact in the life of the local church. And because of them, missionaries were supported and prayed for. And, and that's something anybody can be a part of. If you're part of a local church, you're part of world mission. So I want to just call you all to recognize that you are part of accomplishing the mission of Jesus. But what more might he have you do? And what at a most basic level does that mean to be part of accomplishing the mission of Jesus? This morning, I want, I want to take a look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Um, it, it, the first part of the book of Acts, well, well book of Acts is part two of a two-volume set. Um, there, there's the Gospel of Luke, and then there's the book of Acts. And they're both written by the same guy, a guy named Luke, who was a historian, a physician, a, a well-educated guy who, who did a lot of interviewing of, of people that were on the scene at a lot of events. And then he himself in the book of Acts shows up several times as being part of the story. You'll notice sometimes in the book of Acts, there's the passages we call the we passages, where, where all of a sudden he's referring to himself, we went and did this, and you go, oh, the author's actually in this story. He's giving a firsthand experience. So Luke wrote these two volumes, the volume about Jesus' life on the earth, and, and then a volume about the Holy Spirit coming to empower the church to do the mission that Jesus gave them to do. And the first, the first chapter, we see Jesus... Um, we see Jesus who had been crucified and buried. We see him alive, risen from the dead, and we see him active. And before he ascends into heaven, he, he tells, he tells the uh, uh, followers, not just the apostles, but a large group of followers, probably a, a hundred, he says, go to Jerusalem. He said, go there. And when you get there, this is what's going to happen. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want to talk to you about three words today. First word is power. Power. Power comes in this passage, according to Jesus, power comes from the Holy Spirit who lives within every follower of Jesus Christ. The power does not come from ourselves. The power does not trickle down from a great leader. The power does not come from having a lot of resources. The power comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
And this power was promised to us by God himself. It's power that Jesus promised. In Luke chapter 24, remember Luke's writing Luke and Acts, he he says um, that Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. These two men who had traveled with him on the road to Emmaus. And and, and he told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. He says, you are witnesses of these things, and I am sending you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So we're told before the book of Acts, before the church is launched, we're told by Jesus, go to Jerusalem and wait for that which God, my Father, promised you, and there you will receive power. And again, in Acts chapter 1, 4, he says, don't leave Jerusalem, wait for the gift. There's a gift coming, it's for you, and it's power. So accomplishing the mission isn't about our ability. It's not about our working hard. We have to be responsible, we have to show up. There are things that God asks of us. But but the source of our power, the source of our ability, comes by faith when we believe what Jesus said you will receive power. And since that moment in history, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ alone receives the power of the Holy Spirit. So what what is the meaning of power? What What am I talking about there? Between a couple years of college, between my freshman and sophomore year in college, um, I came back to my, my hometown, Madison, Wisconsin, and, and uh, I applied for a job working for the public schools. And uh, during the summer, the public school grass needs to be cut. And uh, so they hire a bunch of college kids to, to, to do that job. And uh, I had the opportunity to, to cut the lawn at my high school, where, where I'd spent four years. And I was responsible for uh, the soccer fields, the football practice fields, baseball diamonds, the lawns, just, just, just all of the care of the landscape. And uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a big task, but I was looking forward to it. A lot of alone time, a lot of think time. My first day on the job, um, my boss, Bob, Bob Munns, Bob uh, said, let's walk around the property. And he showed me all the property. And, he's, and, and he, he said things like, uh, you know, um, the quality of who you are will be seen in the quality of the way you cut the grass. You know, like he was setting me up. Just, you know, like, I expect you to do a good job. What this looks like reflects you. And he's kind of like kind of coaching a little bit, but in a kind of harder, gruffer way than we do today. And, uh, uh, and, and, and he showed me all of this. And then at the very end, we came this big shed, like two garage doors, and it was locked. And he, and he unlocked it, and he lifted up the door, And he said, here's all the equipment you get to use to accomplish the mission I just gave you. I just gave you a mission. How are you going to accomplish it? How could I do that unless I had been given power? And there was power in that shed. Large grass-cutting machines. Small grass-cutting machines. Hand mowers. Weed whips, wheelbarrows, and shovels, and rakes, 
what Bob did for me was he gave me a mission and then he gave me power. He gave me the ability to do what I had been asked to do. Sometimes we, we think of this word power and, and we want to push it out and make it some kind of superhero thing. Uh, I, I am not reducing power to say it's not that. Well, it, yeah, actually, actually, it's not that. It's not a superhero thing. It's a God thing. It's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's an amazing thing. It's the power that opened up the Red Sea. And sometimes you say, wow, wish I had that kind of power. If you were Moses and had been given the mission Moses had been given, you would receive that kind of power. You'd be given what it takes to accomplish the mission that God gave you. And sometimes we don't realize that we actually have that power. It's just we haven't been called to part the Red Sea. We've been called to show up at a prayer meeting and to get on our knees and pray for missionaries in another country. And there's a power, an ability that takes place in those moments. Power is the ability to accomplish the task that you are given. And it comes from the Holy Spirit who lives within every follower of Jesus Christ. And that power is in accordance with what we've been called to do. So power is important here. Jesus said, you're going to get power. You're going to get the ability to do what I've asked you to do. And over the course of a lifetime, I just want to give testimony that God is faithful to this promise, that he provides the ability to do what we are called to do. J.I. Packer said, God gives us ability to do what we know we ought to do, but feel a lack of strength to do. It's God's power at work in us, God's power at work through us for his purpose and his glory. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 is so clear about this, that we have been given power to accomplish purpose. Now, sometimes people will say, but gosh, I just don't, I don't know if I have that power. I don't know if I have that ability. Well, the reality is you do, but there are things that we can do to diminish that power. The Bible talks about these. We don't have time to spend a lot of time on them, but let me just give you a couple to think about. That way. It works better that way. It's good. Power drainers. We could do a little sermon on each one of these. Right, Pastor? I mean, power drainers, things that we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit, but we resist the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's clearly saying, forgive, serve, move forward. And we say, no, 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 I don't want to do that. It's uncomfortable. It, it, it's scary. And we start to resist the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit by willfully moving towards sin, not just resisting and, and disobedience, but actually moving willfully towards something that God has clearly said you're not to do. And we grieve the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. We can insult the Holy Spirit by the way we live. So, so as you just recognize, the scriptures talk about this pushback on the Holy Spirit that even the followers of Jesus can have. And if you're, if you're lacking power, if, if, if you feel like you don't have the ability to do what God's called you to do, perhaps, perhaps there's something in your life that's clogging up that power flow. 
okay? That's something you can explore. Now, there's some things you can also do to stir up the Spirit, to get the Spirit moving in you. Here's a couple. In the book of Acts alone, we read that prayer, when people prayed, the Holy Spirit moved. We find that consistently in the book of Acts. We find that God's word, when it's preached, when it's understood, when it's taught, when it's received, there is a stirring up of the Holy Spirit, a power that is present. We see in the book of Acts that when people worshiped together, the Holy Spirit would be stirred up in the hearts of people. So much so that at a worship service in a city called Antioch, just up the coast from Jerusalem, the first missionaries were sent out because people were worshiping together, and it says the Holy Spirit said, set apart Paul and Barnabas. And they were the first two missionaries to be sent out by local church. Why? Because people were worshiping together. And then the act of obedience itself stirs up the Spirit within us. It's like when we do the right thing, it's just God smiles and and the Holy Spirit moves in us and says, good job. This is what it means to follow Jesus. So the first thing I want you to understand, if we're, if we're going to accomplish the mission, is that we need to connect with the power that God provides. The power comes by the presence and dwelling of the Holy Spirit. So say power with me. Power. Say story with me. Story. That's the next word. Story. In the text, the word is witness, and I'm going to make a connection between witness and story in just a minute. But I want you to think about story as you hear this word witness. The the, the Greek word for witness is is martyreo, um, from which we derive our our word martyr. And and martyreo comes from the idea that the followers of Jesus, because of their message, were sometimes rejected. They were sometimes laughed at, sometimes jeered, beaten, imprisoned, spit upon, and even put to death. And when a follower of Jesus is put to death, and there are many followers of Jesus today being put to death all around the world, they become martyrs. Martyrs, those who are witnesses of what they believe, even unto death. This is is how the Greek uses the word. Witness. No, this is how English uses the word witness, but Greek, it's just the telling of a story. We think of uh, courtroom situations here or legal situations. Um, they, they, they were very, very similar in the days of Jesus. We're probably more sophisticated today, but there was the idea of a judge, there was the idea of a trial. So you have the accused, a judge, a jury, a prosecutor, and a defense lawyer. And the witness is called to take the stand, right? You you can see this in a courtroom drama in your mind. The witness takes the stand, and and what is asked generally? Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Right? That's, that's, That's what we ask of a witness. Tell the truth. And the witness says, yeah, I do. I swear to do that. And, and one of the lawyers will approach the witness with a, with a question something like this. Um, tell us what happened on the evening of the events in question. And, and at that point, the witness, who's commissioned to tell the truth, really starts to tell a story, right? We were out to dinner, and this happened, and then this happened, and then we saw this, and 
person ran by and this is what they were wearing. They, they tell a story. And that's what it means to be a witness, to tell a story that you know to be true, that you have personally experienced. It's not hearsay. You know, I, well, my friend told me that a guy ran by wearing a green jacket. No, that's, that's, no, I saw someone run by a guy wearing a green jacket. That's a witness. That's a telling a story that you know to be true. Not someone else's story, your story. And so as followers of Jesus, we're called to be witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the ascension of Jesus Christ, those truths. And, and, and we give witness to the fact that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he's coming back again. And throughout the book of Acts, we see this phrase, we are witnesses of these things. So a witness is one who tells what he or she knows to be true. A witness is any follower of Jesus who tells the story of God's work in his or her life. If you were sitting in my office this morning and I said to you, tell me the story of how you came to faith in Jesus Christ, what story would you tell? Would you have a story? Pastor, I, you may have had these experiences, but when I was serving as a pastor, I would ask that question sometimes. Well, all the time. If I didn't know, I would ask, tell me about your story. I'm trying to figure out, does this person have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And if they do, they're probably going to have a story. But sometimes you hear things like this. Um, well, I've always been a Christian. Or I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad were Christians. It's common to hear a story of that nature, but that's really not a story, is it? I want you to think about this. What, what, if, what if I sat down with Mike and Sandy for lunch this afternoon, and I said, Mike and Sandy, tell me about how you met. How did, how did that whole marriage thing come? And Mike says, well, gosh, I don't know. I don't remember. And I'd be like, it doesn't, it doesn't play well, does it? It's like, what are you, nuts? You're married. What do you mean you don't know how? Tell me the story of how you met Sandy. Well, we've always known each other. No, that doesn't make sense. There was a time when you didn't know Sandy. And, and so when did, where did you meet her? And where did you go on your first date? I, I, I don't remember. That, that doesn't make sense, does it? That's a ridiculous thing that someone would say. Ah, uh, it's just as ridiculous for someone to say, I've always been a Christian. My parents were Christians. Uh, I don't really, I go, to, I go to Valley Free, but I, I really don't have a story to tell. I want to say something hard. If, if you don't have a story to tell, you're probably not a follower of Jesus. Now the good news is, you can have a story to tell. And I know that Pastor Mike and others would love to help you 
discover that story, experience that story today. My bigger point here is that if you are a follower of Jesus, and I'm guessing many of you are, I want you to know that you have a story to tell. Jesus said, to accomplish my mission, I'm going to give you power, ability. Power and ability to do what? To tell a story, right? You'll receive power and you will be my witnesses. You're going to get ability from God so that you can tell the story of God. So it's important first that we understand the story of God, that that he sent his son. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he sent his son, that we know this story, that we know the basics of it, that we know I was separated from God by sin, but because of the work of Jesus on the cross, I have been forgiven of my sins, and because he has Uh, died and risen from the dead. I have hope for the future. I I have victory over death. I need not fear it. And I can look forward to his second coming. I mean, that's good stuff. That's the story of God. And it intersected your story at some point. And that's what you give witness to. You don't give witness to someone else's, you don't tell someone else's story. Sometimes you run across a cool story in a magazine or book, and you're like, hey, I read this cool story. I get that, for sure. But, but what about your story? And if you came to faith 20 years ago or 50 years ago, there's a story way back there. There's also an unfolding story throughout your life. What's your story of this week? What has Jesus called you to this week to accomplish the mission. There's power, say power. And then there's story, say that. And then finally, um, there's mission, say mission. Mission, mission. Read it again with me, this, this great passage uh, from Acts 1. I just, just read it together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So you're going to get the ability from God to tell his story and your story and how they came together. That, that's the most basic aspect of accomplishing the mission. starts with each one of us. And then Jesus says, and uh, you're going to do that where you are. And where they were at this moment was Jerusalem. So where are we at this moment? We're in Chaska. We're in the Twin Cities. We're in Minnesota, right? We have a location. So where are we? This is where then we begin to tell our story in the power of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's going to be going to Judea, someplace that's kind of nearby and kind of like us. And then sometimes it's going to be Samaria, someplace nearby that's really not like us. So maybe it sounds like maybe your bus tour tomorrow or yesterday, excuse me, that you experienced some places in the Twin Cities that aren't like Chaska at all. And you saw some people that are very different than your heritage or your background. And so you, you, you start to go out into places that God's at work and you begin to see things outside of where you are. And then sometimes God gives you a vision for something way out there as you begin to pray and support and care about missionaries who are serving 
all around the world and, and, and through the, the local church and through this dwelling power of the Holy Spirit and the story that you have, you begin to identify with other stories and you begin to care about other people's stories and you begin to tell yours. And, and sometimes God says, I'm doing something in your heart that's going to take you from here to there. You're actually going to go there and do what your church is doing here but there's no church over there. So I need you to go, and I need you to be part of that and to help that. As, as, as I come to the close here, I want you to really think about what is your commitment to accomplishing the mission. You can pray, you can give, and you can go. Those are three legitimate, actionable items today. You can do all three of them, you can do one of them, you can do two of them, but you can pray, you can give, and you can go. And as you pray, give, and go, you're doing that with a mindset that says, I'm not in the bleachers watching other people in the harvest field, I'm actually in the harvest field because God has given me ability to tell a story. And your story may be told in the way you live your life, in the way you're willing to pray for a neighbor, in the way you take a meal to someone who's grieving, in a way that you invite an individual to an event at church, in the way you look for open doors to actually share your story. May I tell you about my life and how when I was a little boy, my grandma died and I wondered if I would ever see her again. And I was actually a little afraid to die myself because that looked kind of scary, her laying there in the casket. But as a result of that, my pastor shared with me how I could know Jesus Christ and not be afraid of death and how I could see my grandmother again. And so I opened my heart and I asked Jesus to come in and to forgive me of all the things that separate me from God. That's, that's my story in part. What's, what's your story that you could tell someone over a cup of coffee, over a meal? May I share with you something that God's been doing in my life lately? Most people are going to say, yeah. Yeah, because most people don't hear that, and most people are kind of intrigued by it. So you have a story to tell, and that story is going to make a huge difference in this church and in this community, but it just may make a huge difference all around the world. So I'd like to share with you a little bit more during the the Christian Education Hour, uh, share a little bit more insight on on, on Reach Global and some of the work we're doing, but I just invite the worship team to come back. And um, as they're coming back, let me just, just pray as they're setting up for this last song. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us and then to send the Holy Spirit to indwell us. We thank you for the power that you've given us in the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence. And we thank you for the stories that we can tell because of that. May we be faithful. May we join not only the local church, but the universal church in taking the gospel into all the world that the mission of Jesus might be accomplished. Amen.